I am so glad the rest of you are pitiful at your jobs. I just want you to know. Hey, it's great to see all of you that struggle each and every day. And I mean, I hope you can go to work tomorrow. I really do. Man, the marshals are going to be leaving. Chris, who is going to stalk me at Chili's now? Or is it the other way around? I don't know. You're just going to have to come back every once in a while so we can run each other, run into each other over at Chili's. Uh, we are sad to see the marshals uh, go. The Samsons, as we said, at uh, 1 o'clock will be uh, bidding them farewell. And uh, that's the great thing about this congregation that you always have people who are, um, when they come in, uh, they just become such a, a part, an integral part of our family. And it's just hard to, hard to say goodbye. And, but we are uh, very grateful for uh, the Marshall family, for the Sampsons, uh, for the time that they have, have been here. Hey, uh, let, me know, let me let you know of some really cool things that have happened during this last week. Uh, Jordan Biles was baptized uh, while at camp. I want you to know about that. Not sure if um, Jordan is here today or not. She was able to be with us. That's awesome. Uh, if you don't know it, people think she's pretty cool. Uh, something else that I want you to know about. Uh, we have a couple here that has been married for 64 years. That would be the Lanes, W.C. and Miss Gloria. And so uh, that is fantastic. And not to be outdone, we have a couple who's actually been married for 70 years. And when you see who it is, you are going to be so surprised. Richard and Margie Harris, 70 years. That is wonderful. Congratulations to the two of you. And Richard says that um, she is blessed to have him as her husband. So just wanted, he wanted me to, to make sure that everybody, that everybody knew that. Um, I want to make a statement this morning that I guess we know intellectually, but we have a difficult time living out holistically. And that is the fact that Jesus is the Word. He's the Word. The Word of God, He is the Word of life. And if you think about it, how much pain could we have avoided if we had just listened to Scripture define what the Word is? That it's actually not a what, it's a, it's a who. Instead of constantly searching for more rules or legalisms, we would have just listened to Jesus. Instead of just chasing after every snake oil salesman that came along, promising a life that's new and improved in a bottle or a pill or relationship, we would have just chased after Jesus. You see, Jesus is God's way of communicating to us. And in the simplest terms, you just need to think about it like this. Jesus is the message. He's the message that we have all been waiting for. Now, some of you have no idea what it means to wait for a message. You think that you do. You send a text, and if somebody hasn't responded in five minutes, you just assume that the other person is dead. And if they haven't responded in ten minutes, they better be dead, right? I mean, that's kind of how you feel when it comes to waiting for a message. But can you imagine? Some of you, it's not that hard. Twenty-five years ago... You wanted to send a message, you might actually have to go and see Johnny Robertson at the post office. You would have to take out pen and paper, and you would have to actually do something called writing. And some of you would write in a style that's called cursive. And you would put this scriggledy message together, and you would go to 
Johnny, and you would get a stamp, and you would have that letter posted, and you would send that letter somewhere, maybe just across the city, perhaps even across the world, and then you would wait. You would wait until your message arrived, depending on the distance that it had to travel, perhaps even up to a week before someone would receive your message. And then they would sit down, and they would take pen and paper, and they would write in scriggledy lines, and they would have to go find their own Johnny Robertson, and they would have to then post the letter, and the whole cycle would begin again. And all the while, you sit and wait. And I know that for a lot of the kids, they're like, how did any of you survive, right? The world had been waiting for God to speak. And when he did, he spoke through Jesus. He was the message that we had hoped for, and yet he was actually more than we ever believed could really be true. You know, at one time, if we wanted to talk with God, we just had to wait until the evening. We had to wait until the evening of the day, and then God would come walking through our garden home. It boggles the mind to think about the relationship that God had with our first parents. We sing the hymn, and he walks with me, and he talks with me. More than a statement of fact, it's a longing of the heart. It's a longing for another time, another place. But that access has been broken. And it was broken by Adam and Eve the same way that that access becomes broken today. Adam and Eve let other voices drown out the voice of God, to let other voices get into their head. You see, Christ wants to be the Word of God. Christ wants to be the very message of God in our life, but we live in a noisy world. And there's always all of these other sounds, and there's these pings, and there's these notifications, and there's all of this noise that goes on, and it becomes so loud that the very Word of God, His very message can no longer be heard. It's kind of like at a marriage. At a wedding, a couple recites their vows, and, and I, I've been a part of so many different marriages, and it's been wonderful to watch, and you've got the, the husband and wife, and they just stand there staring at one another. You remember those days, right? Maybe you don't remember it, because usually what I find is that the, the, this bride and groom, they're standing there, and they're looking longingly to each other's eyes, and a few years later, you say, do you remember anything about your wedding? And they're like, I was just trying not to pass out, right? Just trying not to fall. I was just saying, don't lock your knees, don't lock your knees, don't lock your knees. But they stand there, and they stare at one another. And then all too often, years go by, and other voices and other noises begin to speak louder. And for whatever reason, their eyes get off one another and their ears listen elsewhere. And Scripture warns us about that. For Adam and Eve, it broke their relationship. They had stared longingly into the eyes of God and they had known what it meant to walk with Him. But now that God no longer walked with them in the evening breeze and being cast out of their home, it would be easy for them just to stand there longing for Eden and just to assume that God no longer wanted to have a relationship, that there no longer was going to be a relationship between the Creator and the created. His relationship between mankind was forever broken, but it was far from the case. God continued to reach out in a stunning variety of ways. In Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says that in the past, 
God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. And at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. I want you to think about that for a minute. Patriarchs come. Priests. Kings. Prophets. Teachers. Men, women, artists, songwriters, all throughout history, they would come trying to share the word of God with us. And then God sends a direct message. He sends Jesus. He sends his word. Jesus not only told us of God, he was God. And according to verses later on there in that Hebrews chapter, he was the very representation, the very image of God Because God didn't want his message to get garbled. He knew how loud the world was. And he wanted to speak loud and clear. You know, it's fascinating that with all the many different ways of communication that we have today, how often we have misunderstandings. You would think that since we can call somebody up on the phone, that we can see someone through FaceTime, that we can Skype, we can send emails, we can send text messages, all these different things that somehow we would be able to communicate better. I mean, we're even able to tweet, we can post pictures on Instagram, and then still people wonder, well, what does he mean by that? What is she talking about? So then we develop emojis, and now we have all these different pictures that we can put out to let everybody know exactly what it is that we're feeling. And yet people still wonder. You see, face-to-face is still the best. And so Jesus comes as a direct message from God. But we were the ones who wanted to listen to other voices. We were the ones who chose to desert and chase after other lovers. And then God comes to earth and it, it could have been like that song by the angels in 1963. Remember that song? Ready? Everybody with me. My boyfriend's back. Oh, some of you don't want to admit you're around in 1963. I know. Yeah, some of you don't want to admit it. But you were. You were there, and you know that feeling, my boyfriend's back, and now you're going to get it. And that could have been how God responded, coming in with vengeance, saying, the time is up, and the time is now. But instead, Jesus embraced us. He said, this is who I am. Why are you listening to the other voices? Here is what kindness looks like. Here is what goodness does. Here is how forgiveness works. Jesus comes and says, this is how life was meant to be lived. You wonder what God thinks about you? You look to Jesus. You wonder what God sounds like? You listen to Jesus. You wonder what God thinks about this man in this situation or or this woman here in, in her situation? You look and you listen to Jesus. Jesus demonstrated what life, what real life looked like as he treated Samaritans and Jews, as he lived with fallen women and fallen men. He showed us and demonstrated life when he came in contact with men and women of low status. And what did he do? Jesus loved the occupied and the occupier. He loved the stranger and the citizen. He came and he lived out what would later be written. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. You ever wonder what you should be doing today? You think about what should I go and do tomorrow? 
Love God, love your neighbor. That should keep you busy. You just work on that and that should be able to keep you busy. Think about every situation that you're in. God is where love is. Go there. Go there to walk with him. You see, that is the message that we are supposed to receive. Jesus is the word of God. He is the word of life. Now, I love the writings of the Apostle Paul, and and I love the New Testament authors. I, I really enjoy the stories of Israel recorded in the Old Testament. But I've got to hear Jesus speak before I can understand what Paul writes. I've got to watch Jesus walk before I can understand what the law and the commandments are pointing to. Jesus is the definitive word of God. And that is why on a day when Peter wanted to build a shelter for Moses and Elijah and Jesus, so that they could all sit down and talk and listen to one another, in the midst of the men that represented the law and the prophets, a voice comes from on high that said, this is my son. Listen to him. This is my son whom I love. Hear him. Jesus is the message. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Ninety-some-year-old John, as he is facing the end of his life, says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Jesus is the message. And the word that you see there in your Bibles where it says either that they must live as Jesus did or or, or should live as Jesus did, the original term was a legal word. And it came to to mean that there was a moral imperative. So when John writes and says, listen, those of you who say, I believe in Jesus. Those of you who say, I love the Lord, but do not carry out the words of the Lord. You don't live as Jesus lived. He said, you've got to do that. It's not a suggestion. It's not an if you want to or if you feel like it. If you claim... That Jesus is your Savior, then you have a moral obligation to live, and that phrase, to live as Jesus did, implies the ethical sense of the phrase, the meaning. You live like Jesus. Jesus is the message, and we are the messengers, living out the words of life. So, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might, catch this now, that we might live through him. Where does life come from? What does it mean to truly live? Scripture says life is only found in Jesus. Life is only found in the message. It's it's through him. 
That preposition meaning because of, on account of, even carries the idea that you're going to go across from one side to another. That I used to live this way, and I used to have this set of goals, and I used to have this direction in my life. But now, through Jesus, now I live this way. Now I have his thoughts as my thoughts. Now his ways are my ways. Because of Jesus, we can live. We can live within our marriages. We can live within our homes. We can live to the fullest extent in the workplace. We can truly live in this community. It's not a survival of the fittest. It's, it's not, I hope I can make it through work tomorrow. It's not, I hope that I can hold everything together. There is a life and a strength that comes on the other side living as Jesus lived. But the question is not, can I live like Jesus? That's what some people ask. You talk about the fact that Jesus is the life, and whoever claims to live in him must live as he did. And somebody always wants to raise their hand and go, wait a minute, but can you really live like Jesus? He would not ask you to get out of the boat if he didn't think you could walk on the water. You get that, right? He wouldn't call you to something that he knew was impossible. That he knew that you could never do. He wouldn't ask you to participate in a venture that would leave you failing. You can hear and live the message. Now, we're not going to be perfect in our fellowship of Jesus. We can expect some failures and some resistance from ourselves and from others. But 1 John 1 and verse 7 says that we are living in the light. And God is in that light. And because we live in the light, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Last week, we put it this way. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so you shoot at the target. Target being the righteousness of God, the life of Christ, and you miss. Praise God that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, we all trip. I don't think anybody has, has ever tripped and said, that's it, I'm never walking again. Not going to do it. Tried it, failed. Now granted, there is that three-year-old that you see every once in a while being just pulled through the mall, right? You've seen that? That the parent pulling the three-year-old and the three-year-old's got the look on the face like, tried it, fell down, never doing it again. Now, now some of you act that way in your spiritual walk. You trip, you fall, you aim for the mark and you miss. Or to use a very spiritual word, you sin. Then you say, I'm done. I can't do this. God is asking too much. The expectation is too high. In fact, why would he even want a tripper like me? Why would he want someone who cannot walk upright? You trip, you get up. And you keep following. You're clean. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're guilty. But there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because there is life in him. So the question is not, can I live like Jesus? The question is, will I? Will I live like Jesus lives? Not because my salvation depends on it. 
but because my marriage does. Because my relationship with my children does. Because my personal health, my emotional health does. Will I live like Jesus because my patience depends on it? My financial portfolio depends on it. The way I face death depends on it. You see, he is the message, and we are the messengers, and we must live as Jesus lived. And let me tell you, it will change the world. I know that people throw around that idea every once in a while, and especially for those of the millennial generation, these guys, you are world changers. And you guys are participating in things right now that other generations never thought of. Things that truly do impact people all around the world. But if you truly want to change the world, then try walking in the footsteps of Jesus. It changes. It changes your world. It changes your country. It changes your region and state. It will change your city. It will change our church and our homes. It will change our present and our future. You say, it just, I don't know, Chris, it just sounds too difficult. There's been a lot of people through the years that thought this. Even those who first heard Jesus speak about following him. One day he was talking about counting the cost, and he was talking about the expectation of fellowship. And when he finished, we're told in John chapter 6 that many of his disciples turned away and, and they deserted him. And so Jesus turns to those who are his closest. He turns to the 12. And he says, are you going to go away too? I mean, you've heard all this that I've been sharing. You've, you've heard about the expectations that I have. You've heard about how that if you truly want life, then you abide in me because well, I'm the vine and you're the branches. You've heard me talk about forgiveness and you've You've heard me speak of mercy. You've, you've seen me as I have healed and as I have looked out over the fields that are white with harvest, as, as I have been overcome with grief because of the hurting of humanity. You know the expectations that I have. You know how I want you to carry out when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your sexuality. You, you understand what I want when it comes to the way in which you honor God. Are you going to leave too? And Peter looks at the Lord and says, To whom would we go? To whom would we go? For you have the words that give eternal life. And we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. What's Peter saying? You, Jesus, you're the message. You're the Word of God. You're the Word of life. And you know that as his messengers, Peter and the other followers truly did change the world. And so I've got a question for you as we close up this morning. What will the message change through your life? What will the message change through your life?
when you go out today and walk as Jesus walked? Is it going to change something in the restaurant that you choose to go to? Will the message change something in your home this afternoon? Will the message end up changing a conversation that you have, a, a text that you send? Will the message end up changing something as you go into work in the morning? Will it change the way that you face that business trip that you have at the end of the week? Is the message going to change something that will take place when, when you walk into that deacon's meeting later on today? Is the message going to change something as you get ready for this next school year? Is the message going to change something as you're walking to Bible class today and, and you pass someone in the hall that you really need to have a conversation with? When you choose to walk like Jesus, the message will change something. It'll change you. And when you're changed, just wait and see what happens next. So I want to offer you the opportunity to be changed by the message. I want to offer you the opportunity this morning to be baptized into Christ because you have heard of the good news of Jesus. You have heard that he is the message, that he is life, and you want the life that he has to offer. And you're willing to go through something that symbolically shows your own death, being buried in a grave of water, only to burst forth through the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and to live a new life. And then if you claim to live in Him, you walk as He did. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to change your life this morning. And I want to give you the opportunity to make the decision that if you're already a child of God, and if you've been one of those that have tripped and just said, forget it, I can't do it anymore, that today will be the day that you stand back up, that you realize I am clean because I live in Jesus and you be the messenger. Let's stand and sing together.